Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. I want to let you in on a little secret. In addition to the conversations I have with my Song of the Soul guests on the air, I sometimes finish recording, and I can end up spending hours more getting to know someone I've just met. And my guest today, Susan Salador, is that kind of heartwarming, interesting, and talented person. So get ready to be delighted, both by her singing and the wonderful person she is. Much, though not all, of Susan's music is tilted toward the very young, as she has spent decades as a music specialist for the schools in the Chicago area. But before that, her work included performing with a kind of folkish music activist group called Voices, sharing the stage with the likes of Holly Near, one of my longtime favorites. Susan's voice will enchant you, and her songs will lodge in your heart as Susan Salador joins us via Skype from Chicago. Susan, what a delight to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Hi, Mark. I'm so happy to be with you. How are things down in Chicago at this point? Good. We got a big snowstorm and it's super cold, but that's okay. It's all right. We're, you know, we have a, we're lucky to live in a home that's warm and we have warm clothes, so I can't complain. Are you an indigenous northern woman? No. I was raised in Long Island in New York and I'm a transplant. I came here with my husband actually who's from this area. So, yeah, no, I'm still trying to understand the accent. You know, my friends on the East Coast say I have an accent, even though I've been here for years and years and years, you know, long A's and things like that. So, no. And can you give me a Long Island accent as opposed to a Chicagoan accent? Sure. So when I was growing up, it was like this, and I was an actor for a long time, and we used to have contests, my girlfriends and I, to see who could talk more like Barbara Streisand. And so the the thicker the accent, which was really like a Brooklyn accent, um, or Queens, um, that's kind of, you know, people here think it's like Long Island, but I don't remember ever talking like that. And then as an actor, I had to lose that. So I, I actually lost that before I moved to Chicago. What kind of acting did you do? I was in musical theater because I sang. So I sang professionally even as a kid. And then um, right out of high school, I got a job that was an equity job in a children's theater, actually, and got my equity card and then did a bunch of regional stuff off off Broadway and then regionally in Indianapolis. And then here in Chicago, too, I was in a production of Candide at the Goodman Theater about a thousand years ago. Uh, And that was the last thing I did in musical theater. So some point then you transitioned from doing theater to doing maybe other things. Did you go right to performing music and a lot of children's music? I know you do. 
Yeah, that's really been my career and my livelihood the last 25 years. But before that, yeah, I did a lot of cabaret work and I did some commercial work. And I also sang in a political folk music group called Voices for many years here in Chicago. I was with them for nine years. A couple different things happened. When I was still in musical theater, I was sort of becoming politically awake and that led me to sing with this group called Voices. And so we sang at every every anti-U.S. intervention in Central America event here in Chicago and actually throughout Wisconsin and Michigan and anti-nukes and you name it. If it was a political hot-button issue in the 80s and 90s, we had songs about it and performed. So we did a lot of Holly Near songs and Chris Williamson and then our originals. And then I had children. And then my children really informed where my music was going. And so I had never really written very much. And then my first daughter was born and I I wrote like a little silly lullaby. My second daughter was born and I wrote kind of a better lullaby. And then their preschool asked me to do music because the director knew that I sang and she asked me to do music for preschool. And I said, I literally said the words, oh, I don't know anything about kids music. And then she asked me again the following year, and I said, okay. So anyway, that started. I started working with children like six years and under. And then all of these songs bubbled up, and funny songs and songs with messages, but geared toward young children. So I guess between musical theater and sort of political folk music and then having my own children, that's where I landed 25 years ago. And that's been my career, happily. And it's going to make us happy, too, because you're going to share some of your music. You said you have two daughters, and maybe no more after that. I don't know. I have a foster son who came. We met him at 15. He's 37 now. So he came later. But, yes, I have two daughters, and then he came He's older than my daughters. He came to live with us when he was a teenager, and they were little girls. And so I'm pretty sure at least one of your daughters is named Hannah, and the other one is? Hope. Hope and Hannah. Yeah, they're both named for my mother. In the Jewish tradition, you name a child after someone who has passed, and my mother's name was Hazel, so I wanted to use those H's, and I did. Well, let's start with some of your music right away. My understanding is that your first recording of your own performance, maybe, I don't know if you did anything with voices, but your performances as Susan Salador, your first recording was in 1995. Right. I recorded an album called Little Voices in My Head which is supposed to be funny, by the way. And um, yeah, it was a full album. Maybe a third of those songs were original songs. And the lullaby you're talking about, I think is on that one, Hannah's Lullaby. And is that the second one that you wrote as opposed to the first one, which was funny? Yeah, the first one I wrote is called You Close the Third Eye First. As a new mother, I noticed that when I was holding or nursing my daughter, Hope, I would rub the area between her eyes and she would fall asleep. And so it's a little jazzy, like, close the third eye first and let your body do the rest. You're a sleepy girl. It's just a little ditty. And that was the one I wrote for Hope. But Hannah's Lullaby was a, a little different. It's really about both my daughters and how I feel about parenting. And it's actually one of my favorite songs of mine because, I don't know, I guess it felt really personal. I wasn't really talking to a child with it, and I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just sort of pouring my heart into something, and so so I like that one a lot. We'll start out with Susan Salador's first song for Song of the Soul. It is called Hannah's Lullaby. Hannah's Lullaby 
cry as you lay half asleep in your crib. Don't you cry, for you know we are near. Let the dreams that you dream keep you safe tonight. Good night, Hannah dear. Good night. God are the friends and fun of the day. The sun has gone down. It's the end of play. Night has come to safely tuck you in. And when you wake, tomorrow begins. Don't you cry as you lay half asleep in your crib. Don't you cry, for you know we are near. Let the dreams that you dream keep you safe tonight. Good night, Hannah dear. Good night. From wrong, follow good thoughts, they will keep you strong. Follow your dreams across the mighty sea. Follow my song and come home to me. Don't you cry as you lay half asleep. For you know we are near. Let the dreams that you dream keep you safe tonight. Good night, Hannah dear. Good night. Let the dreams that you dream keep you safe tonight. Good night. We're fortunate to have Susan Salador here today for a song of the soul. Her first song was Hannah's Lullaby, and you'll find that, amongst other places, on the Susan Salador songbook. You can find, I think, all of her music in many, many places, but of course, CD Baby has them. I understand you can still get physical copies of CDs. Do you sell many these days anymore? No, I really don't. Most of my stuff, uh, most families listen to my stuff through Spotify, it feels like. And then purchases come through CD Baby and they handle, CD Baby handles Apple iTunes and all the other downloaded spots on the internet. So yeah, a quick search. I'm kind of available everywhere. 
And I'm told, Alexa, I don't have a device like Alexa or Google, but uh, evidently Alexa knows me and plays my music. So Alexa's on a first-name basis with you. Good. I guess. Just play Susan's music. Susan, you have to say Susan Salador, and then she'll find me somehow. And this is the world that I'm in now. You know, I, I see about 400 kids a week. I, I am a music specialist. In addition to writing and recording and performing, I also do teacher workshops for preschool teachers mostly to integrate more music and dance into curriculums. But my sort of bread and butter work is as a music specialist at five different schools in the Chicago area. And so I see, I, I surrounded by young children a lot during the week, every half day. I'm usually off in the afternoons, but every morning I'm teaching anywhere from two to six classes of 30 children each. And these are private schools. Mm -hmm. They can afford to pay me, which is wonderful. I, you know, I feel like I'm compensated well. I mean, it is my livelihood. So even as dark as, for example, these political times are in this country, it helps me so much to be with young children Monday through Friday. It's just, I don't know where I would be without that, actually. Well, and where would they be without you? I'm astounded at how many schools now they're cutting out arts, music, that kind of thing, which is, let's just cut the heart out and make it as much drudgery as we can. And by the way, I love math and science and such. So that's not really drudgery for me, but I know for a lot of people without music in their lives, the skies are always gray. Oh, absolutely. I have found private preschools to be embracing music and movement and yoga way more than ever. I know these things are cut out of public schools, and that is, it feels like a sin to me. But thankfully, there are still schools out there who can afford to hire good people, you know, who it's not like, and then I wrote. It's, you know, like the work I do has to do with development. I can assess children. It's not just silly songs. There's always room for silly songs, but there's also room for movement, which is so important for brain development, way more than giving a four-year-old a math sheet, God forbid. So I work with schools who I feel very supported by them, and I feel they truly understand that young children need to play and need to sing and need to move their bodies and feel good about that. That's kind of my goal in music and movement is to help make children know they can dance and that they can sing and feel that joy. And if you're going back to schools where you've been before, the kids know who you are and they probably have some idea of Susan Salador's greatest hits, right? I mean, is there a kind of song that they have to have? Yeah, I mean, when you're writing for children, it's it's just the spectrum. You know, they're really silly ones, a lot of movement, a lot of songs that are like directed. You know, I have a song called Tap Your Toe and Follow Me, and it's just exactly what I want you to do. I want you to tap your toe and follow me. And it's catchy and it's repetitive. And Tap Your Toe and Follow Me, it's kind of funny. It's become this hit in dance studios for children all over the country, which I only discovered a few years ago. It's just kind of a, I will find videos online of little kids in tutus dancing along to Tap Your Toe and Follow Me. And, you know, when I wrote it, it was really for circle time and in preschools. But it has this second life in dance studios, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I just have a hard time picturing you in a tutu. Maybe when you were young, and maybe you do like dresses a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I, 
my children did, I'll tell you that. I wrote a song called Three Dresses for My Daughter Hope, and it's a, it's a song about how she, there was a time in her life when she was maybe four, five, and six where she wore three dresses every day, and it was really cute. I, the, the first dress was just her regular dress, her regular twirl dress, and then the second dress was a wedding dress that someone had given us for a dress-up box, and then the third dress was a dress she put on over the wedding dress in case she spilled anything. Years later, when Hope was probably about 20, I wrote this song called Three Dresses. And its I think it's a, a hilarious song. And it is about that idea that she had this all planned out. And the wedding dress was just in case she married her friend Jake. That's what she would say. So first dress, second dress, wedding dress, third dress to protect the wedding dress. And the song is Three Dresses by Susan Salador. I have one dress, one big pink pretty dress. Long on the bottom and puffy up on top The dress came from my cousin who wore it to a wedding But then she grew up and she gave it to me I'm wearing one dress, one very beautiful dress One fancy dress, but one is not enough Yes, I've got one dress, one very beautiful dress One dressy dress, but one is not enough So I got to thinking, if I look beautiful wearing one dress, I'll look more beautiful wearing two dresses, right? Now I have two dresses, two very beautiful dresses. The first came from my cousin, the second one from mom, and it is all black and it is especially sparkly with a broken zipper in back and a bow in front. I'm wearing two dresses, two very beautiful dresses. Two fancy dresses, cause one was not enough Yes, I've got two dresses, two very beautiful dresses Two dressy dresses, cause one was not enough Well then I got to thinking again One dress was great and two dresses were even better But three dresses would make me look even more beautiful And the third dress would keep the other two clean So now I have three dresses, three very beautiful dresses. First one's pink, second one's black, and the third is made of lace. And that's a a lot of dresses, and together they're slightly bulky. And Mom told me that three are enough. I'm wearing three dresses, three very beautiful dresses. One on top of the other, I like to layer up. Yes, I've got three dresses, three very beautiful dresses. Three dressy dresses, cause two were not enough and I wore two dressy dresses. Cause one was not enough and I wore one dressy dress, but that was not enough. You know, the truth is with dresses, you can never have enough. I'm still having a problem wrapping my mind around it, but I can so see hope trying to put on three dresses, one over the other, all three stacked up, or did you switch in and out of these? How did it go, Susan? Yeah, so obviously that last dress didn't zip up at all. You know, we have pictures of her in this. And if you listen to the words of the song, it it kind of talks about where these dresses came from. Yeah, only the first dress really fit. You know, second dress got on half zipped, and then the third dress just sat on top of the other dresses. And the second one was from you, right? I mean, that's it's your black dress? 
Uh huh. Was a black dress we got at the resale shop. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I so much of what I write is has to do with like I have a song called "At the Resale Shop" because I brought my children up shopping in resale shops before upcycling was even a word. I thought we should reuse, and so yeah, I have a song called "I Think You Dropped This," which is about picking up other people's litter or asking them to pick it up, giving it back to them, and saying, "I think you dropped this. I saw it slip out of your hand." And then at the resale shop is. At the resale shop where we shop till we drop, where a buck buys a lot at the resale shop. So much of what I write is a reflection of our lives, certainly my life as a mother and the lives of my children. You said you had kind of a radical background. I, uh, when we were talking to you earlier, you described yourself as radical Jewish, and certainly your time performing with voices. If you're opening for Holly Near, we know that you're in the right folk music, activism music heaven, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Did you pass that on to your daughters as well? I did, thank goodness, especially my oldest daughter. There was a CPS strike here, uh, the teacher strike, and my husband was a delegate for his high school for many, many years, and then he served uh, in a volunteer position on the pension fund, and anyway, is a union man through and through, and yeah, my daughters, you know, were red every day of the teacher strike, as I did, and they march for the things they believe in, and give their dollars, give their shekels to the candidates they believe in. They're both, yeah, one of my daughters went to Oberlin. And if anyone knows Oberlin, that should say enough in terms of just everything, tolerance, I would say. And my other daughter went to McAllister College in the Twin Cities. And I think I think women's studies was a minor of hers. Anyway, they're both, yes, they're both very active, very political, very outspoken, fabulous women. I hope I passed that on. I'm sure I had something to do with it. And I've got connection to both those campuses. Uh, there's a nationwide Quaker gathering called Friends General Conference, which the gathering is held all over different places across the country. And one year, 1987, I happen to remember, it was at Oberlin. And McAllister happens to be where my wife went to school as well. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, Oberlin. So I'm Jewish and my husband's Catholic, also kind of radical Catholic. And Hope loved going to the Quaker meetings on Oberlin's campus. She found them comforting and restorative, I guess. How much do you like silence? I need a lot of downtime. (laughs) I think I'm like a lot of performers and teachers who, when you're on, you're really on. I've always said to them, you have to keep your own company first, you know? Well, help us keep our own company by sharing another song. What do you want to share next, Susan? Well, I was talking about my husband, Jay, and maybe I'll share the love song I wrote for him. It's called Every Little Bit of You Makes Me Smile. And I wrote it for Jay. And then after I wrote it and recorded it, I realized it could be from a parent to a child. It's not romantic in that way, but it is a love song. So, yeah, I really love this song. I hope you and your listeners like it, too. Here's Susan Salador, Every Little Bit of You. Thank you, thank you, thank you, every little bit. 
beautiful song by Susan Salador, Every Little Bit of You. Her website is susansalador.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org, along with the links to all of our guests of the past 14 years and the song list that you're hearing here and a lot more information, the radio stations across the U.S. where our programs are carried, all of that on nordenspiritradio.org, as well as a place to leave your comments, rate these programs. And Susan, I'm going to hereby exact a promise from you. After this interview, please do come on and post a comment on Northern Spirit Radio and all of you listeners as well. You can rate programs, place comments, and there's also a donate button. This is full-time work which is supported only by you, the listener, not by corporations, not by government. And in a day when corporations own so much of the world and especially of the media, it's so important to support us and even more so to support your local community radio stations. What's the best station right there in the Chicago area? We're big fans of WBEZ, which is our local public radio station. Does that count? Well, it is, except that often public radio has gotten limited because you can't offend anyone. And so even if you do present some of that information, it has to be toned down. And so community radio stations, the kind that usually carry my programs across the United States, they get to say what they want. They're not political necessarily, but it's full open speech without any limitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have a children's radio show on WLUW, and that's out of um, Loyola here in Chicago. And I don't know, I felt like I could say anything I wanted on that station. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing, Mark. It's good work. 
And I feel fortunate, and I just want to remind people, please do support your local community radio station. So invaluable to have that voice. But right now we're going to get back to some more of Susan Salador and her music, because I, I, we want to get a lot of music in if we can. What's up next, Susan? How about Fine Finkelstein? So Fine Finkelstein is one of these songs I wrote where I, I basically dreamt the song and then I, I kind of woke up and I wrote it down. And it's about a little boy, a little Jewish boy, who has a funny name. And that's basically where the song starts. I'm Fine Finkelstein and I'm fine about my name. I know that it sounds funny, but I like it just the same. And then the subsequent verses just talk about acceptance and tolerance, because that's what I see among the young children that I work with. I see that if you're a nice kid, you're going to have friends. It really doesn't matter what your religious belief is, what your socioeconomic status is, what you wear, not with the age group that I work with. I wrote Fine Finkelstein, and it's particularly popular among families with the last name Finkelstein. So I would love you to play that one. And I would be just fine doing that. It's Fine Finkelstein by Susan Salador. My mother named me for the summer day that I was born. My father gave me his last name on that same August morn. The F honors my grandpa who was gone before I came. And all the men in my family are Finkelstein by name. And I'm Fine Finkelstein and I'm fine about my name. I know that it sounds funny, but I like it just the same. We have lots of things that make us different from each other. But all of us were babies once, and that makes us like each other. My best friend is from Bosnia, and his folks call him John. Our mailman's from South Africa, and he goes by Nelson. My neighbor is from Vietnam, and he is known And the crossing guard's from Mexico And his first name is Juan And I'm fine, Finkelstein And I'm fine about my name I know that it sounds funny But I like it just the same We have lots of things That make us different from each other But all of us were babies once And that makes us like each other When we would like to pray But others go to churches On Christian holidays And others pray in mosques Or temples or under golden domes And there are those Whose holy place is nowhere else But home And I'm fine, Finkelstein And I'm fine about my name I know that it sounds funny But I like it just the same We have lots of things That make us different from each other But all of us were babies once, and that makes us like each other. I have a friend who said that he is openly adopted. And when I asked, what do you mean? He said he's happily co-opted. Turns out my friend is luckier than others I have known. He's got two moms and'll have two moms even after he is grown. And I'm fine, Finkelstein. About my name. I know that it sounds funny, but I like it just the same. We have lots of things that make us different from each other, but all of us were babies once, and that makes us like each other. And I'm fine, Finkelstein, and I'm fine about my name. 
And that makes us like each other But all of us were babies once And that makes us like each other One of the many wonderful and inspirational and fun songs done by Susan Salador. It's called Fine Finkelstein. And Susan, I believe it's from Songs in the Key of High. Some people might spell that as chai, like in the T, but actually it is not the T. <laughs> it is not. High is the Hebrew number 18, and it also is the word for life. So if you're at a traditional Jewish wedding or bar bar mitzvah, any joyous occasion, you say l'chaim. People might know that from Fiddler on the Roof, and that means to life. Uh, Stevie Wonder is just one of my most favorite musicians and performers, and it was a little doffing of the hat to his iconic album, Songs in the Key of Life. From the 70s. I said songs in the key of high. I don't know if anyone gets it. You asked me about it and you're not the only one, but it's a little bit of a giggle for me. (laughs) Well, it's a giggle for me in that I do actually know enough Hebrew. I mean, I can say my Aleph Bet and everything. So, I mean, I perhaps am a little bit more familiar with Hebrew than your average Quaker on the street. So, songs in the key of high. And I I think that one came out back in 2009. You said it was a dream that brought you to the song. It may appear on an earlier CD as well. I sometimes reuse songs when I'm creating an album. And that album, Songs in the Key of High, I did after my father passed. I wanted to do something sort of in tribute to him. So I gathered all the Jewish songs that I sing, original and traditional, and I put them on that particular recording. And that might lead us to the next song, which is, I think My Father Sings Old Songs is on that one. I wrote a song for my dad in honor of his 70th birthday. He's passed now and he lived to be 82. But I always sung at his birthdays. And then when he turned 70, I thought, you know... I think I need to write him a song. I had written my daughter's songs, you know. So I wrote a song that I think might you might be able to hear a little bit of musical theater in it. Anyway, it's called My Father Sings Old Songs. My father, Leonard Salador, loved music, as did my mother. He worked for Decca Records for many, many years. He was like a PR guy. So my childhood was filled with the turntable constantly playing the music of Judy Garland and Ella Fitzgerald and all the great female singers and male singers. Mel Torme is probably my most favorite torch singer. Lots of jazz, not so much blues, but jazz and torch songs and standards. Frank Sinatra, of course, Bing Crosby. Anyway, anything I know about music really came from both of my parents, but especially my dad. Through him, I got to meet some really very cool people who recorded for DECA over the years. Like when I was a little kid, I met Jackie Wilson, believe it or not. And I met Rosemary Clooney, and my dad worked with Sammy Davis Jr., also one of my favorite vocalists. And my father idolized Sammy Davis Jr. My father got to see many, many people perform in his work doing PR for DECA Records. And uh, like I think he was there 18 years. But he said Sammy Davis Jr. was the most amazing performer he had ever seen. There's a very famous recording of Judy Garland at, I think it's Carnegie Hall, and my dad and mom were in that audience the night that was recorded. And you can actually hear my dad at the end when she's taking suggestions for encores. My dad, I think my dad shouts out Swanee 
So anyway, that's the household I was raised in. My parents idolized singers. There's not much of a mystery as to why I became a singer. I think I got a tremendous amount of accolades from my own parents. So now you get to hear where Susan Salador's musical inspiration comes from. It's from her father. In 1996, on her recording by heart, she includes my father's song. My father sings old songs And he says, come sing along And so in harmony we sing And it's then I know the joy they bring To him He takes the kids upon each knee Susan, that song so wins my heart. That I especially love it. I love children's songs too, and I, I sing songs with children, and I'm that kind of an adult. But that song in particular, you're singing straight to my heart. And did he really teach you? Was he your first music teacher or your last or your main or whatever? I guess so. I remember singing for me and my gal with him when I was very little, like six or seven. And he, we did harmony. I was, I guess, I guess I was able to stay on the melody and he did the harmony. Yeah. For me and my gal and oh, lots of different songs. 
And it was a big deal in my house when you could... So the record player was like an altar in my house. And you had to be like a certain age and get taught how to use the record player that was, you know, connected to the good speakers in our little house on Long Island. And I remember that was like a rite of passage. I didn't actually buy many albums on my own when I was a teenager. That wasn't my thing. I just went through my parents' collection. And when we moved from that home, I remember my father saying that he had 7,000 albums in that house. But you said he worked for DECA. Yeah. When you worked in the music business, you you would trade albums, you know, so friends of his who were at Capitol, they would, you know, they might trade Bing Crosby for Rosemary Clooney kind of thing. You really grew up steeped in riches. I think so. Yeah. Judy Garland. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Let's get on to more Susan Salador's music because our clock is quickly ticking down. So where should we go next? So I have a song that is like, I guess it's my most well-known song because it's sung not just in this country, but it's sung all over the world, it turns out. I'm not sure how that happened. It's been carried on the voices of children throughout the world. I'm really proud of the song. It's called I've Got Peace in My Fingers. And I wrote it for a preschool event years ago. It was a Peace Week celebration. And it was kind of a the brilliant conception of my director at this preschool at the time where my daughters went to preschool, Susan Klein. She put together this week of celebrating peace and how to make peace and children as peacemakers. Anyway, in Chicago, there was something called a weapons turn-in. You could turn in your guns at police stations and you would get money. The city was buying back weapons and it was quite successful at the time. And my director, Susan, said, I'd like to do that with kids because she had a very strong stance, as I do, against war toys. So any toys that look real, like guns. So, for example, in my house, none of my children were allowed to have play guns, even water guns. That was just forbidden in my house. Anyway, if a child turned in a play gun or a play sword that looked like a sword, they would get like a little coupon from neighborhood businesses around the preschool. So, for example, 7-Eleven would give a coupon for a Slurpee. And she brought in this huge box that would have housed a refrigerator. And kids dropped in their weapons. And I loved it because... Well, I think it actually was a great education for the parents at the time. But I also think it was, I love that it was reflecting politically what was happening in the city, except on a tiny scale and not a scary scale. It was it was just, this is something you should think about. Anyway, the week-long event ended with a concert. And so I did a lot of peace and justice songs that I had, of course, learned through my years with voices. But I couldn't find a song that was really directed toward preschool children, five and under. And so I wrote this song, I've Got Peace in My Fingers. And it's about how even the you know youngest among us can work for, make peace. And it has three simple verses, and it's... There's really not much to it. I'm happy to say that it's performed in Australia, in South Korea, in Spain for their National Peace Day in January. Today is Remembrance Day in Canada. It's performed in schools all throughout Canada. I love that this little song has been shared and carried throughout the country and the world. It's one of the very first songs I ever wrote for children, and I just published a book. So the song is now in book form under the same title, I've Got Peace in My Fingers. And now we've got it on the airwaves here for Song of the Soul, I've Got Peace in My Fingers by Susan Salador. I've got peace, peace, peace in my fingers, watch what I can do. I've got peace, 
peace, peace in my fingers. I'm gonna shake hands with you. I got peace, peace, peace in my fingers. Watch what I can do. I got peace, peace, peace in my fingers. I'm gonna shake hands with you. I got words, words, words in my head. Watch what I can do. I've got words, words, words in my head. I'm gonna talk things over with you. I've got words, words, words in my head. Watch what I can do. I've got words, words, words in my head. I'm gonna talk things over with you. I've got love, love, love in my heart. Watch what I can do. I've got love, love, love in my heart. I'm gonna give some to you. I've got love, love, love in my heart. Watch what I can do. I've got love, love, love in my heart. I'm gonna give some to you. I've got peace, peace, peace in my fingers. Words, words, words in my head. I got love. What a beautiful way to pass peace on in the world, encourage, support it, bless it, and make it physical. I think that's a really important part of what you do, both with voices and with bodies. You know, I've got it in my fingers, I've got it in my voice, I've got it everywhere. Thank you for doing that, Susan. My pleasure. Well, I hate to hurry you on, Susan, but again, I know there's more music we want to hit, and so can we have another song for Song of the Soul? The next song that you might want to play is called One Little Act of Kindness, and this song is absolutely my response to the current administration. I don't know how else to say it, and it's one of those songs that, much like Fine Finkelstein, it just came out. I had this thought that one little act of kindness can go a long, long way, so right, something that's I believe, and it doesn't seem hard to believe. I wrote it, and one day I recorded it the following week. I had a friend notate it the week after that, and it was released into the world. So it was was about a a two-and-a-half-week process to get this song from my house to the recording studio out in the world, notated, and I'm happy to say that I've had such a great time making a book out of I've Got Peace in My Fingers that I've now started the process of making one little act of kindness into a picture book as well for preschoolers. So I would love you to play that. And our friend, our mutual friend, Barb Tilson, who I know has been on your show, has been singing this song, and it just makes me so happy because to have her honey voice on my song just... Not, it doesn't get much better than that. So we're going to play One Little Act of Kindness by Susan Salador. Remember, her website is susansalador.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Where is also my interview with Barb Tilson, all wonderful singers, purveyors of peace and joy through music. Here is One Little Act of Kindness. One little act of kindness can go a long, long way Two little acts of kindness Can brighten anyone's day Three little acts of kindness Can make a beautiful sound Many acts of kindness Help the world go round 
One little loving word can go a long, long way. Two little loving words can brighten. We are so very, very fortunate to have Susan Salador here today for Song of the Soul. And I do have to take a moment to say thank you, especially to Barb Tilson, who is the person who connected me up with you. I hadn't known about your music before I interviewed Barb, and that was some year ago. And finally, I reached out to you. And <laughs> I'm so grateful you have afternoons free where you can respond to someone like me, who, uh, in addition to all the time you spend working with preschools, can get you on the air. And so passing your kindness on to the world. Oh, thanks. I, I'm lucky that I found something I really love to do that feeds my soul, for sure. You know, when you first asked me for songs, I kind of just thought, oh, I'll give him a range of songs. And then, as you know, I had to kind of rethink it because I was trying to pick out songs that, as I said, kind of pour out of me, you know, rather than fit a purpose or have a distinct message. Just there's certain songs that are absolutely closer to me. So it was I forced myself to think more deeply about your request, and it was very satisfying to do that. When I ask someone to be my guest for Song of the Soul, I'm asking to see that which is important to you. And sometimes that which is important to you is not the same thing as what's important to the world. I'm so grateful, for instance, that you included every little bit of you and the song that you wrote for your father. Oh, my goodness. And and <laughs> and that's probably not one that you sing to the preschool all the time. No, no. In fact, all of my children's albums contain, you know, a couple of songs that are not really children's songs, but I feel like they're important songs. You know, they talk about maybe not what would stereotypically be a concern of a child, but... Because it's about a dad, and of course my dad, I felt like I wanted to share it. I always want to do personal stuff on my CDs, or else why do them? You know, I'm happy to share these things. And, 
Yeah, and I like that song a lot. I have moms tell me they cry at that song. It's hard for them to listen to that song and not think about their own fathers. Well, you've given a lot of joy and and joyful tears as well to us today for Song of the Soul. Can you give us one more song? Yeah, I think it's a very short song, and it's a song that I wrote in response, actually, to the events of September 11th, 2001. And it feels like on this day, maybe that's important. We're speaking on Veterans Day. I wrote a song called Every Moment, Every Day, and it's around... And it is how I feel and how I try to live my life. It's a message I definitely wanted to share with people. So maybe that's a good song to end with. So we're going to finish our interview with Susan Salador. Again, her website, susansalador.com. I haven't spelled it before. Salador is S-A-L-I-D-O-R. Again, with the link on nordenspiritradio.org, you don't have to be a good speller in order to find your way to our wonderful guests. And so please drop by and you'll find all of this music and you'll find the blessing that Susan Salador brings, not only to preschools, but to adults, brings to all of our hearts through her music. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. It's really my great pleasure to spend this time with you. My appreciation also to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's program, and my appreciation also to Barb Tilson for connecting me up with Susan Salador. Remember to check the NordenSpiritRadio.org website for bonus excerpts, that is, portions of my visit with Susan that we couldn't fit into the broadcast. Here it is every moment, every day, and we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It, it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes beauty and the wisdom to see it every day. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It is possible to be thankful it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes practice and your wisdom to see it as a ability. It takes practice and your wisdom to see it as a ability. It takes beauty and the wisdom to see it everywhere. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.